Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to night number 14 of the Fallout Bar, the penultimate Fallout Bar of this PDC World Championships. Can we've been on it 14 nights already? This is the penultimate one. We'll be back on tomorrow and we'll be back with a live lounge on Tuesday. Phil Bars will return to the screen for you all. Um, hello, Cam. Nice to see you again. Happy New Year to you and everybody in the chat room. Um, the world champion is out. The world champion is out. Yeah, happy new year, everyone. Um, I think as the tweet said that probably teased half the people into the show tonight, we've seen the best night of darts of 2022 by a long, long way. Um, <laughs> and it, it was, I mean, I'll be honest, we could probably revisit this this day on the last day of 2022, and it still might be, especially the evening session. Uh, it was brilliant tonight it's been a it's been a great day of darts and yeah it's we're nearly at the end now i mean me and you i feel like i've been on pretty much every show uh everyone's absolutely like sick of listening to us by now and but yeah we're nearly there we're nearly at the end i am actually going to the venue tomorrow which is going to be wonderful and the first taste of this year of actually being in the venue and yeah, we're, we know the final four now. We do indeed. Uh, hello to everybody in the chat room. Geez, looks very happy to see me. I've never seen anybody so well <laughs> pleased to see me sat in front of a screen. Uh, he also says, evening, Gobby and Cam Malik. He says, only two tonight. Yeah, Lee Boyce has been at Alexandra Palace in the press room with Phil Bard. Um, and he'll be there as a fan tomorrow night as well, Cam. So God knows what you two are going to get oh up yeah to. we've we've already arranged we will be meeting up so yeah happy new year jack cam and chat happy new year to you curtis to you chris as well and to you matthew to kieran incredible night says jack um have we got the most, have we got the most pointless poll of all time by the way on the on the screen because surely there is only one if anyone votes for anyone other than one man then we need to be need to be checking whether the having a bit of a laugh with us. Um, I think there's a second that might just be in contention. Well, maybe. Yes. I'm not the one you think I'm thinking either. If, if No, not... Wait, I, well, I'm not sure. We never know what you're thinking. You're, you yeah. could be thinking the first one and it's not that one. No, it's Gary. I, I thought it was unbelievable today. Yeah, true. I, I, I'll give you that. I mean, it's, been a, it's than... just been a wonderful, wonderful day of darts. It has indeed. Um... Teresa says she's just caught her breath back. What a night. What a night. What a day, to be honest. Let's not forget there was an afternoon session as we well. We all know Teresa's a massive Michael Smith fan as well. So I'm not surprised. I'm surprised she has caught her breath back by now. I'm pretty sure. Away at Rids fan as well, though. So, you know, a bit yes. of 50-50 um, going on. Gary was great too. Wade's finishing was excellent today. Um, oh, it's just... I'm not even sure where to start, Cam. We've got to review the four games. Then we've got to look ahead at tomorrow night's semi-finals, I suppose. Let, let's just go in order. And if the chat yeah, room pops in, the I'm not in a rush tonight. I'm not sure about you, Cam. You, you've got your T-shirt on that says you're prepared to talk about that, whether people this like is, it or not. So I finally, finally had Christmas today um, after my COVID event. So I had Christmas with the family this afternoon as well. And this, yeah, this was a present from my father. It says I will talk about darts, whether you like it or not. So, <laughs> and we know that whenever <laughs> me and you were on here, it always goes long, doesn't it? 
Lucky me indeed. G says it's only 11.40, lads, correct? And the fact this will be available back as a podcast tomorrow when there is just an evening session. That is right, isn't it? Yep. Both semis yep. are on evening. I might There's even miss some backwards on the way down there. <laughs> I'll just double check in. It's been a long tournament. You never know what's going on at all. Um, it's It's just all over the place. Right, let's talk match action from today. And as ever, we're going to go in game order. And Jack hits the nail on the head. King was disappointing. James Wade is into the World Championship semi-finals, having not averaged 90 in the entire tournament and having hit four 180s in the entire tournament, all of which were today in a bet that simply couldn't lose and did lose, by the way. King's hit the most ways. was an absolute nail on and they both hit four. Uh, but James Wadecam is into his fourth PDC World Championship semi-final. Yeah, I think the biggest thing about this is the fact that James Wade is into a semi-final. Yes, okay, he got he got a bye, which helps massively, but he's into a semi-final without even being slightly challenged at all yet. And the biggest thing with that is we don't know how where he can go to yet. Like he might, I know he's not played well so far. He's not averaged even close to 90 yet, I don't think. Never mind over 90. And But that's all he's had to do to win these games. So there may be more in the tank. I mean, I don't know what is the biggest shock today, whether it's him winning so comfortably or the fact that he did actually hit a 180 finally in this tournament on the last three days of the tournament before he's actually hit one. But yeah, the, the bet was obviously as you said earlier, was James Wade to win and Mervyn King to hit the most 180s and it finished yeah. four apiece. <laughs> You'll never meet a poor bookie, will you? No. Indeed. Um, they yeah, are a little bit poorer tonight, though. All right, all right, big time. Can't all take a grand out of a, a, a betting company. Um, Funny enough, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. Let's, let's just talk about the game. Uh, both chucked in an 86 average, both four 180s. Wadey, 44.1% on the doubles, 15 out of 34. Mervyn King, 8 out of 24. So he got less attempts, hit less. In a, in a draw that just opened up for two players that, in terms of titles, in King's underachieved in his career in terms of titles full start. Wadey is underachieved in this event. He's a, he's a 10-time major winner yeah. over three decades. You can't argue with that. But do you think perhaps maybe... The fact that the draw had opened up so much for them, they're playing in a quarterfinal that is very winnable from both sides, especially after the form they carried throughout this tournament. Um, King had chances in the first set, didn't take them, had chances to in the fourth and the fifth leg, if I'm right, to win the set, didn't take them. Wadey does what Wadey does, and King just never looked like he was getting back in the match at all. No, he didn't. I think I think the biggest thing with this is, like you say, it's opened up more for both of them than probably ever. Um, in terms of what they've needed to do to get this to this point and the opportunity that they've got at this stage to go on and do something. And I think that affected King more than it did Wade. We've seen Wade, just, uh, not yesterday, the day before, um, when his interview after the game, that he's convinced that he is going to win this tournament at some point. I don't think Mervyn King believes the same. And I think the hype of this is his best chance to get to a semi-final and it's opened up for him affected him more than it did Wade today because Wade was just clinical still. He still still did what James Wade does and went and won this game. And I think it that that hype and the 
big thing around the fact of what an opportunity for both of them, who, like we say, they have both underachieved in this tournament, certainly. And as we know with Merv, he's, he's still waiting for that first big one as it is. So I think that affected him a little bit more today. And I think that's why we saw such a comfortable win for Jane Blade. Do you think talk of the P word potentially got to Mervyn King as well? Look, I know he's not on the on the forefront of everybody, but if you go deep at the World Championships, after you've made the Masters final, you've produced your highest ever TV average this year. You, he's, he's just looked so much different on TV this year. Do you think potentially that as well as World Championships added to, to King's performance as well? Or has he just been right? Uh, I'm not sure so much on that one. I mean... Do we think he cares that much about the Premier League uh, over actually winning an event? I think at this stage, I don't think Mers wants to be thinking about that at this stage. I think he was just thinking about this is my opportunity to go and win not only a, a big one, but win the biggest one of them all that is the one that matters over everything else at the end of the day. It is indeed. I just wish that the rest of the field understood that because I'm not entirely sure some of the players do when you're talking about Premier League way, way before this competition finished. Are, are, are we just nibbling back to Luke Humphreys again for a second from a couple of no. days ago? <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, James Wade then, look, he's, he's into a semi-final again. It would be absolute heartbreak if he were to lose it again. He's been there three times. He's lost it three times. It is quite ironic, I think, that given the interaction that James Wade has had with certain people in the media, Phil... Wayne Mardle, that should he lose it, he would be very, very close to Wayne Mardle's record. It's not something I want to think about as, as a big fan of James yeah. Wade, but there is that undertow. Um, we saw James having a pop up at Wayne in his Sky interview. Then he backed it up in his um, online media interview. Um, Wayne made a couple of comments after the match tonight saying if James plays at that level, Michael Smith will knock him out of the park, basically. There's just that little bit of undertow in this one at the moment, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there is. There is a little bit. Um, I just... Yeah. I've lost my train of thought with this one now. <laughs> it's gone out of my head. <laughs> Start again. What were you saying? I can't remember. Right, let, let's do a quick... Talk. Apparently, Lee Boyce for the Premier League. Not a chance. I've seen him throw six darts and I never want to see him throw again. He's even more... I've never seen him throw any, to be honest. Um, I know he can play pool. And Jose right. D'Souza knows oh, yeah. he can play pool. Beating Jose doesn't matter. Especially if you're playing nine ball. The man can't count. Um, <laughs> that's true. Jack says Wade has to be in the Premier League. And this is what I want to talk about, Cam. Because should James Wade reach the final of this event, not only will he all... He's in the top four. He, he virtually cannot be caught right now. But maybe he can, you know. What's that? He loses to Michael Smith and Gary Anderson. Ooh, a Gary Anderson final and Michael Smith title. James Wade drops out of the top four. He does. He does, but yeah. I was, looking at, I was looking at the permutations earlier in the fact that Callum Rids, if he had gone to the final and Wade had dropped out, if, well, if Callum Rids had won the event at that point, he could have knocked Wade out of the top four as well. So... Yeah. That's the thing with this tournament, you know, how much money it carries is the fact that it can make a big difference. And like you say, Gary goes on and wins it. All of a sudden, Wade's out the top four. And yes, he won a TV title in the UK Open last year, but he has already had a run in the Premier League off the back of that in the fact that Gezi dropped out and he took his place. Does that mean that he would get another run off that tournament or is that rule going to change in the fact that he's already had it? 
don't know. I, I think Wade gets a. I, I very much agree with this comment. Wade doesn't get much respect, and look, the he fact he's in the world semi-finals as well. I, I still think he should be in if he's not in the top four. The fact that that conversation even goes on. When I think, I think final. Like, I think we see final, and regardless of whether he's had a run already and whether they change the top four rule, he deserves to be in there and get another shot at it. Yeah. His problem is he didn't do particularly well last year when he got a shot at it, and that that could work against well, him. Well, I think yeah. preparation is a massive part of that. And when you rock up to the hotel thinking you're getting a one-night stay away from your family and you'll be back tomorrow, you're not really in the mindset to go and play 17 for, nights for week, of Premier League. For week, one, for week yeah. one, yes. But then after that, we didn't really see any improvement when he right. knew we were still going to be there. And yeah. even... And I think week, week one's been a little Fuck bit generous. Michael Van well because, every time he played him. Yeah, I mean, I even think week one's been generous in terms of giving him that off because after the first day, you know you're there for the rest of the week, so your preparation should be a lot better at that point. Yeah. Right, let's move on. Let's hear then from James Wade. As ever, you guys know the drill by now. Short clips of each interview. Full interview is available on the YouTube channel. Go and watch that after you finish watching or listening to this show. Um, please don't forget to like the video that we're watching now. Subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any content. We are fast approaching 20,000 subscribers, as I said. Um, and hit that notification icon so you don't miss anything when we go live. This is James Wade. Um, people like yourself, yeah, I love it. And Wayne. Wayne Mardle. I love proving him wrong. You know, um, all of reporters and um, news and people that are important in the game of darts will always, some, most of them will write me off. Um, again, like, as I said, and I don't mean it in a uh, personal derogatory way to Wayne Mardle, you know, um, he always tips me off, always tips me off um, to not do this and not do that. Um, I've won more than Wayne did in probably two weeks and he did his entire career. But he's he's hell-bent on to like being a little bit silly. But um, but as we say... <laughs> I loved it. Look, the first comment, by the way, you could see the grin on his face. He knows what he's doing. He's having a little bit of fun. The second one, a little bit more from Wadey. I do agree, Wadey cops it a little bit. But actually, if I'm not mistaken... Wayne's tipped James to win this event twice in the last three years. He doesn't write him off massively. Other events, no, he doesn't. Like no, he doesn't. He's, he's um, to win this event. He's one of his backers, generally, to be honest. Um, yeah. It's probably not the right man that he's having a nibble back at. Uh, yeah. But I've had a pop at Phil, by the way. No, ob no objection with that. As, as somebody that sits opposite Phil Bars every single week, telling them how good James Wade is and getting nothing back. Carry on, mate. I'll join yeah. you, James. We'll go yeah. fight. Yeah. Yeah. We're not important in the world of darts because we like James, so that's just the rules. Yeah, having a pop-up, Phil, having a pop-up, me would be absolutely fair as well. I've been <laughs> critical of the man plenty, but Wayne Marlowe's probably the one that's given more support than anyone over the last few years. Yes. Right, on to game number two, then. Let's get that one out of the way. And the first of three absolutely amazing encounters uh, the afternoon session was wrapped up with a resurgent old school performance from the flying Scotsman himself, Gary Anderson, defeating Luke Humphreys 5-2 cam. And after the way that Humphreys started this match, there would have been a little bit of concern in the Gary Anderson camp, I think, given his form over the last years, um, his form in this tournament so far to date, to be honest. 
The win against Rob Cross was superb, though, and Gary Anderson just went to another level against Luke Humphreys today. He looked so, so sharp, so, so different. It was it was Gary Anderson that made the final last year. It was Gary Anderson that's been in eight or nine semi quarterfinals, semifinals, whatever that astonishing record is that Gary Anderson has now. Um, and he beat Luke Humphreys 5-2. Yeah, very, very impressive, this. Um, it looked on the cusp, especially when they levelled up two sets all of going, going deep, this one, and Gary just... Did the right things at the right time again. The one ten to win the set when it was two each in the set, I think, as well. Was that at was that at, for three two or four two? I can't remember. But it was it was very close to going that set going the other way for him if he didn't take that one ten. Um and he he was just it was a clinic of tongue plus finishes, big checkouts, and he got outscored by Humphreys for the for the majority in terms of the 180s and the but the 140s from Gary were just consistent where he just was just kept just kept himself in every single leg basically and just gave him the best opportunity to win. And like I say, this is a man that is absolutely adamant that he does not pick up a dart when he's at home. He's I not bothered about practicing whatsoever. Genuinely I believe him. 100% believe him as well. And we just it just makes you think, how many could he have won? If he cared. It's like Ronnie O'Sullivan, isn't it? Yeah. How many could he have won if he'd been dedicated for that patch of his life? Obviously, he's... Gary has been dedicated in the past and he, he just looks silky smooth when he's on it. A big, big point to make that since he swapped back to the straight darts, the codes, the noirs, whatever style of straight barrel Gary Anderson has decided to throw, how much better, how much smoother does the action look? Action. The starting position is unbelievable, by the way. I've, I've always, yeah. look, everyone's always loved Gary Anderson's throw because when he's on it, he is Rolls Royce. But I think that's very much from the roll up of the dart and how easy he makes it look. The starting position, when he gets his elbow up from the side on view, is yeah. the best I've seen in the game. It is solid, it's exactly where your elbow needs to be. It doesn't drop. It is just unbelievable to look at. By contrast, by the way, we've, we completely forgot this bit, but James Wade action today looked very, very ropey. He was up on his front foot, on the ball of his left foot, like he was a couple of years ago when he started to drop down the rankings. And that is a big concern for James Wade. But on the contrast, Gary Anderson just looked a million dollars today. Yeah, I thought Wade looked the same a couple of days ago as well in his last match. Um, very bouncy, but it, he was still kind of hitting and hitting the right shots at the right times and it still kind of worked for him. Yeah, Gary's action is so smooth and that flick of the dart and the, the starting position of it is just something that I think I think it's what we all would love to replicate and be able to do. My throw is very different to that. Mine's a lot more like Joe Coden comes from the side of my head and it's not not the same. Whereas like I've tried so hard to try and replicate that sort of a throw and keep it like that and I just can't do it. But Gary just has it and it's just immaculate in the fact that it's like you say, it doesn't that the elbow doesn't fall off. It's the same release pretty much every time. It makes you wonder how he doesn't play like this every single time. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, a word on Luke Humphreys beating in his third quarter final in four years, I think it is, at the World Championships. A superb record there. Another snooker comparison. It's a bit like Barry Hawkins, who seems to absolutely love the crucible. Luke Humphreys comes alive at Alexandra Palace. Um, he's creeping up in the world rankings, comfortably inside the top 20 now. Obviously, the former 
World Youth Champion, um, made the UK Open. We haven't really heard a lot of him throughout the rest of the year. Um, not dis- I guess a little bit disappointing after the way he started the match against Gary. There were chances that Gary only 33% on his doubles, so he's still faffing around a fair bit. But next year, I think, is the one for Luke Humphreys to target because he's got that platform now. He's got that solid... Um, he's got that solid base. He's got that experience on TV. Needs to up his floor game a little bit now, I think, to match it a bit like Dimitri van der Berg a couple of years ago when he first burst through the bubble. His TV stage game, fantastic. His floor game, not quite there. If he adds that to his weapon, he could be top 10 player in no time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think we all know, don't we, that Luke Humphreys, was, we've seen it already from him in getting to the UK Open final where he was absolutely brilliant throughout the tournament and what we've seen from him on this stage now, he's making three quarterfinals already in, in the fact that he's still a young guy as well. And he's still got a lot of improving and a lot of sort of a lot of his ceiling's so high because we've seen him throwing ridiculous averages on the big stage. I think it, it is time for him to step it up and, and get a, go a little bit further. But I think he didn't do a lot wrong today, really. He's averaged mid to high 90s. He's 42% on his doubles as well. He just got beat by a better player today in Gary who was who was bang on it. And yes, he missed a few opportunities, but the way he scored throughout the game gave him the opportunity to miss those chances and still get that get over the line pretty comfortably. So I don't think Luke's done a lot wrong today. And as much as we've mentioned earlier about his little comment about the Premier League. I do think that was just Tommy in cheek. I don't think he was seriously saying that I should be in there. He just wants to know that he feels ready for it and if there's an opportunity there that he wants it, but which is fair enough for me. Yeah, completely agree. Right, then let's hear from the flying Scotsman, Gary Anderson, see what he had to say after his victory. If he says the line, then we all just cheer. In fact, if he says the line, we need to get this stream to 50 likes. If Gary Anderson says the words, I just we want still to play that. We need the shirts. We need the merchandise. Let's do it. (laughs) Next year. Next year, I promise, we will have merchandise from Online Dance. They've been sat waiting to go for a long, long time. And with that, we will do a run of T-shirts from Gary Anderson that just says, I just want to play darts. But this is Gary in his post-match press conference. Yeah, you're into the final four. And I'm still rotten. (laughs) I've not changed. I think the other players have got worse. (laughs) No, it's... uh, I don't don't know. You know, I, I just... Like I say, I've said I don't care and blah blah, and I really do mean it. But once my foot goes in that top step, I'm on that stage. I still want to play darts. I still want. You still want to win, you know. So we saw some some celebrations, and you had a bit of a tussle with the crowd. Did you enjoy that one? I love it. Absolutely love it. You know, Bob said skin like a rhino, and the more they sing and chant for me uh, against me, the more I'm going to enjoy it. You know, Rachel was sitting the other night with Rab. You know, and once he started singing it, Rab turned me a bit. Oh no, oh no! Did he start this now? Uh, you know, it, it stops. It stops on a bit, so it's it's good. Yeah, look, I hundred percent believe the man that he doesn't practice. I hundred percent do not believe the man when he says he doesn't care and he's just a yeah. bit of when he's up on stage. It means something. To him. He was fist pumping, walking down the stairs at a break one point. It's slightly down to the side, so nobody could see it. But it was you. You caught it. But when he was walking down the steps. Behind Luke after a set, Gary Anderson absolutely wants to be world champion again. Don't tell me he doesn't. Just yeah. even if it's just for the payday and he can run off, because that's the sort of thing Gary Anderson yeah. could well do. 
I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like, at this stage, he's in a World Championship semi-final. There is no way at this stage you can not care about it. Like, we thought maybe a couple of games ago when he played Ian White that he didn't particularly want to be there and he was close to losing that game because he looked like he didn't want to be there. Then again, Rob Cross, he thought, I've got a chance here now. And now, after this again today, he has got a huge chance of winning it and he, he wants it. Not only did he look like he don't want to be there, he pretty much told a few people he didn't want to be there. The man was ready yeah, to they, leave with all the COVID cases going there on. May have, there may have been some bags packed and on yes. his way. Uh, Malachi says a Scotsman in London will always get booed. Interestingly, though, good luck booing both of them in the semi-final because it is North Scotland second semi-final because uh, in match number three today, um, Peter Wright beat Callan Ridd in a last set classic finale however you want to say it contender for game of the tournament which is being chucked out an awful lot cam but this one was an absolute belter again callum rids the youngster out the blocks the quickest exactly the same as luke humphreys uh earlier maintained it throughout the match though superb put peter Wright under an awful lot of pressure um i may have been the the curse of the commentator jinx at one point saying that peter Wright has the best composure in world darts as he went on to lose set number seven, fluffing match darts all over the place. Um, but he responded brilliantly. And he just, even even though he missed those darts, and I made that comment, he never panicked once. Or you no. could never tell he was panicking. In, internally, he may well have been. But his emotions did not change. He still walked, strutted around the stage, as he does with his shoulders out a little bit. It was just the perfect performance, not the perfect performance, but it's the perfect way to carry yourself on stage for a man that's been through so much heartbreak as Peter Wright does. He, he's not afraid of any outcome anymore. No, he's not. And I, I don't think he panics internally either. I, I think I don't think there's any act to what he does on the stage. I think he takes the same amount of time over every single walk to the hockey, every single dart that he throws. Nothing phases him at this stage. And... I think you were absolutely spot on with what you said about his composure, despite what happened just afterwards. And don't worry about that. We've all done that. We've all jinxed people on Twitter just before they're about to do something. I did it in the last Asus test where Charles had said something about um, Rory Burns' action. Uh, well, he's, uh, he's batting style. And I said, he's still there, though, and he got out the next ball. It happens. <laughs> it's just it's what it is. Um, but, yeah, we've all done that. Um, and we've all said things that then look stupid within... 30 seconds, but he kept it together right to the very end and basically proved you right at the end of it because he came through that game under an absolute barrage from Callum Ridd to possibly outside of the man in the next game, been the form player of this tournament. Yeah. And when Ridd's put him under it, like you say, nothing changed from right. He didn't starting quicker, he didn't go and change his darts, he didn't do anything. He was still playing well, and he was just he was getting beat by the better man earlier on, but he held it together and held it together over the longer distance, and it was really, really impressive. It was really impressive indeed. Into the actual game, it just... I'm not even sure how to describe it. It was just, like, like I said, Peter Wright just never panicked. He looked calm, he looked composed. Even at 2-0 down, he looked like he was just going to regroup, keep going. The 140s again from Peter Wright. The man at 27 140s, 37 tons, 17 180s. I think it's massively understated just how big a 180 hitter 
Peter Wright can be because he is superb. He's, he, he must be one of the most consistent players in and around that treble 20. And it just affords really him sure. so many opportunities <laughs> on the outer ring. He had 60 darts at a double today. Yeah. 60 to Callum Ridge's 43, which, okay, shows a little bit of messing around and perhaps kept Callum in the game a little bit longer than he could have. But the fact that Wright still closed that out, he can win scrappy games, he can win games where they're both chucking 97-plus averages at each other for nine sets. He's just got everything in the tank, I think, that sets him up for potentially lifting that trophy again. Yeah, we've seen it. We've seen what he can do and the consistency, like you say, of, well, when he uses the right darts, obviously, but when he uses those, when he uses those gold ones, I, I genuinely think they're his best set of darts. I know they're not the ones he won it with last time, but they are his best set of darts. Because when that first one goes anywhere near the top half of the treble 20, whether it's middle or either side of it, you fancy that he's following it with two more and he can put two more in there where he could fit another 16 in there. There's that, they're that closely bunched together. And I just don't understand why he ever uses any other set of darts or tells he can't use them. But he's so consistent on that treble 20 and I mean, Ritz fired an 11 today and got comfortably beaten on the 180s. That's how many he hit today. And it was just really good and really impressive. And like you say, we see it all for these longer formats. His consistency and his mental toughness and just that, just the way that he holds it together when when it matters when he's doing it in these nine set matches and still averaging almost a ton and just consistent, a ton, a ton, a ton. And he doesn't really fluctuate. Again, he's another one of these players who he doesn't do 120 average, 80 average. He's he's solid at the same level all the time. And we saw it when he did it. He does it in set play, he does it in leg play. We saw it when he did it to Fallon in, in that game over 30 odd legs where she averaged 100 throughout it and he still just was consistently above. And it's just got that level where he can't, Nothing throws him off and nothing phases him anymore. Yeah, correct. And I think the ultimate difference in that match today, because they both played superbly, despite the, the small differences in the stats we've just said, is is the experience of Peter Wright. The man's 51. He's been he's a world champion. He's he's one of the TV titles, but he was in so many losses before, and that has molded him into an even better dart player now. I'm absolutely convinced that if he'd gone and beaten Mark Van Gogh in the first couple of times get a little bit composed of it, etc. Callum Ritz has a massive, massive future ahead of him. 23-year-old, two Pro Tours earlier in the year, picking up tiles, going deep in TV runs. Now, let's not forget the last time he played Peter Wright in Gibraltar on a Euro Tour, pumped him 6-3 of 109 average. The yeah, kid can play. 110 and 6 out of 6 on his doubles and 1-6-3, yeah. yeah. With, with I mean, right he started average, similar fashion today yeah. in the set. With, with right average and 108. Yeah. Like, Callum, yeah. this, I, I genuinely think as much as he will be devastated, and you can see it at the end, he he did not know what to do or where to look or what he was meant to do at the end of that game today. And I think this is miles better for him than winning this game. Yeah, I honestly think, like you say, it's that learning experience, especially how young he is now. Like, Peter Wright's gone through all this at a much older age and a much... Like, Callum's got 30 years ahead of him still if he wants to. Like... This could be huge for him in the fact that he was in a right battle and he gave it his all. He didn't crumble. He didn't fall away. He didn't, his head did not fall off. He didn't have any sort of nightmare up there. He played very, very well from start to finish in this game. 
I just got beat by the best man on the day, and I think that's massive for him. And I mean, watch out because he is some player. I mean, that start where he pinged in the one five two in the first leg, <laughs> it was just it's like, oh, is he going to be nervy on his his first World Championship squad final? And I just put, he's banged in a one five two in the first leg. Yeah, the one hundred sixes, the one hundred fives. He, he was oh, he's just... the best one hundred six hitter in world darts. Twice in the space of about six legs in exactly the same route. Um, yeah. Shout out to the rest of the Northeast boys as well, by the way, because I think they really are pushing each other on. Ryan Joyce, Chris Doby, Callum Rids, they all play regularly against each other. They're all giving each other a little bit of jip about how they can go. Marcus says, imagine playing Rids on the development tour. Yeah, I was there when he was on the development tour, mate. Um, absolutely brutal. Um, perhaps didn't have the success on it that he... But his talent level right now shows, though, but he was competing with the likes of Dimitri Vandenberg, Luke Humphreys, Mike Decker, and um, Ted Evitz, four of the most successful development tour players of all time. Um, so he was in a yeah. really, really tough era, but he has it come out from it <laughs> ridiculously. That year he spent on the Challenge Tour, by the way, seems to have moulded him even more than that development tour um, ever could have. Um, let's hear from... Um, Peter Wright in his post-match press conference. Then we'll look at the final game of the evening and then we'll look ahead to tomorrow's semi-finals. Uh, you know, I, I was gutted that, you know, uh, you know, we didn't play in the World Cup uh, to come, you know, uh, come get it back again. But, you know, we, we, me and Big John, we went and done the business for Scotland. So, but, you know, uh, you know, we're World Cup partners and that, uh, me and Gaz, and, uh, but tomorrow there'll be enemies on stage, you know, so, yeah, looking forward to it. And of course, you achieved your dream here a couple of years ago, listening to World Title, but just how special would it be to become a two-time World Champion? Well, I already believe I'm going to be uh, a double World Champion, whether it's this year or not, I don't know, uh, but uh, we'll see. Tune in. <laughs> the second man saying he's going to win the world title now on camera I think that's one of them was Mervyn King and James Wade says he will win it at some point although he might not get a better chance given the tournament right now um, you'd, be, you'd be mad to bat, bet against Peter Wright but we will get on to betting on somebody very very shortly uh, because I have the final four outright odds from our friends at Ball Sports who sponsor the show and they make for pretty interesting reading right now Cam I have a feeling the semi-finals are playing a massive part in those odds right now um, but there is a surprise uh, favourite for the tournament right now I think personally and that man is Michael Smith, after he tonight dethroned the reigning champion, Gerwin Price, the world number one and reigning world champion, is out of the PDC World Championships in another 5-4 set result. Um, Cam, this was a absolutely fantastic game. And there's plenty of people been saying it right now and, and talking about how different and how mature and how grown up Michael Smith has been throughout this tournament. And he showed all of that once again tonight in what turned out to be pretty difficult circumstances towards the end. Yeah, I think we say sort of surprise favourite, but we've just seen him be the form player in world darts and then the world number one in back-to-back close games that went all the way. Michael Smith is now winning the games that he 
has always played well in and lost. I think it's looking like when it's your time, it's your time for Michael Smith. And he was incredible tonight. So was Getty. I thought the one thing with Getty tonight, I thought, was his first dart was poor a lot of the time. He hit a lot of 140s and a lot of one, a lot of tons. But his first dart was either an inch above the treble or it was a half a centimetre low of the treble. He didn't hit that first treble very often whatsoever. And then it, but he stayed in legs and stayed in sets because he then hit the next two and adjusted really well. But Michael Smith was just incredible in the fact he just absolutely just annihilated that treble 20. You just, when that first one went in, he just followed it every time. He's so, that, that's the thing there. That rhythm, it's so smooth, it's so watchable, as you can see on the screen right there. Now, it was so good to watch. And then he was banged under pressure. He was 4-3 down. He was in trouble, and we've seen him not get over the line from that position and fall apart from that position and lose 5-3 in the past. We would have seen. He won that fourth set, and then at the, the set for four all, sorry, not the fourth set, the eighth set. Um, and then went and went and did the business in the final set, and I just absolutely love to see it. And I, I really think I, I think Boylesports are absolutely spot on with the odds. I think Michael Smith goes and wins this title. Big, big claim. We'll get to that bit very, very shortly. Let's talk about the match action. I really do want to talk about that eighth set because that's where I think the match turned massively. Um, but we need to go back a little bit. I'm not entirely, I should have written down what set number it was, but Gerwin Price hit the third nine data of this year's PDC World Championships in a set that he lost 3-1. The legs in that set were 13, 9, 11 and 12. Michael Smith responding amazingly to Gerwin Price hitting a nine data that was a holder throw in the second leg. The first player to ever go uh, nine treble 19, treble 20, double 12 for the one four one. Everybody else that's ever hit one in a PDC World Championship has gone for the treble 20 first when attempting 141. Um, a superb achievement from Gerwin Price, the third nine data in this tournament, but the third player to exit the tournament having hit one. A reminder, there is a £50,000 prize to any player in the World Championship field that hits two nine darters in the same tournament. Uh, we saw Willie Borland hit one to win the match against Bradley Brooks uh, earlier in the tournament. We saw Darius Labanowskis hit one to win the second set in his match that he went on to lose. And we've seen Gerwin Price hit one earlier this evening that I think I'm pretty much came out of nowhere. Don't wrong, it was a fantastic game, but I just saw nine. Oh, my God. Bang. I'm not so sure it came out of nowhere. I mean, I kind of think like, it was a superb game. I just didn't see the nine coming. No one had, no one had gone six or seven before. Uh, you normally six, get a couple he? of attempts. Did Smith not go six earlier? I don't I know. I feel like he did. I feel like he went six earlier. Or maybe I'm wrong. Someone correct me in the chat if I am wrong or back me up if I'm right. Um, and we'd also obviously we'd seen Peter Wright go eight. In the game, which we didn't talk about either. Peter Wright went eight in the game before. Oh my god, yeah. Um, yeah. We forget this is how good tonight's been, but we've forgotten all these massive things that have happened. Yeah, the nine. I'm I'm gonna throw it out there that I was very, very impressed with Gezi's nine because 19's first is the right way to go on the one four one. Because 
you hit that one. You're not going down. Uh, you're not going up, down, up again. You're yeah, going yeah. down, up, and then across. Yeah. And it's the same sort of weight. I know it's slightly higher the the twelve, but it's still it's still a similar throw. It's it's a bit like leave going nineteen to leave double sixteen. It's the same yeah. sort of thing. Um, so I actually think that's the right way to go. And as soon as the nineteen went, it was gone, and it was never going anywhere else after that. And I do think it's a tougher switch going up down up it's just it, of course it is because you're just going all over the place with your weight of the dart um yeah i thought that was the right way to go and and what a what an just it was just unbelievable but what a set from michael smith and it was the fourth set by the way it was to get back to two each and it was just i mean i know gezi's set in the final last year was the record for the average in a set i mean i think this one was better in the fact that he got a nine it against him and still won it three one, and levelled up the match, it was it was really special from Michael Smith that set as well. Yeah, absolutely superb, and I think that was the first sign that perhaps today was going to be a bit different. His opponents just chucked a nine dart around. He responds by going uh, eleven twelve. Um, superb performance from Michael Smith in that. On to the eighth set as another talking point from this match. Uh, Gerwin Price leading for three, um, and this is when the crowd reared their ugly head once again. I genuinely thought they'd been pretty good for today. Gary Anderson gave him a little bit earlier on, but it was all in good taste. I don't think there was anything major in the Wade King game. The crowd tried to G Mervyn King up. It was absolutely perfect. Um, wasn't anything in the right Rids game, as far as I'm aware. They just got on with it and enjoyed the action, and then some... And the issue is that, don't get me wrong, we, we, there's been a lot of talk about the crowd this year, an awful lot of talk about the crowd this year because of the change in tone of some of the songs that have been sang. And I've, I've tried to defend them where possible because I think a little bit of it was a hangover from the European Championships yeah. and, and being able to drink. The only other sport in this country that is transferable for fans to create and sing songs is football, naturally. Our biggest sport, our national sport, that is where the majority is going to come over from. That's why you get Yaya Colo, whether they've been retired for 10 years and people don't yeah. like it. It's a bit of fun when you've had a drink, by the way, going down yeah. and up and getting yourselves up. Like That's genuinely why it is. But in this moment, it was an individual that has spoiled the game, that kept shouting at Gezi when he's on the throw. And that has always been the, the bugbear, the issue within darts. A wall of noise booing a player, you it's fine. It, it, it's booing a player, yes, you know it's a boo, but it's the same as cheering a player, it's constant, it, it's never player. ever it's gonna it's a wall of to put you off. Yeah, it, it is a wall of noise, you can get used to that. But anybody shouting on a or player's whistling. throw, yeah, that is above the level of anybody else, the same as whistling and, and shrieking, etc. Well, we saw whistling as well tonight, didn't we? And it, it's it's just so poor, like it's. Just like I, I just, I just, it was, it was, it was really poor. And I was very, very impressed with Gezi actually at the point where he went and complained to George Noble and pointed out where it was coming from and who it was. And not only that, he composed himself and went back and hit the treble with his last start after doing all that. I, I was very, very impressed with that because it would have been very easy to throw a wild dart into the one or the five after that or not even stop yourself mid-throw, throw a terrible dart, and then complain about it. 
but he did it completely the right way. And yeah, there's just no room for it. I mean, it's it's twenty past twelve, I'm gonna say it. The people that do that are a complete and utter bell end and they shouldn't be in the arena. Um and it's just no need for it whatsoever. Like like you say, booing people, fine. Gezi brings a little bit of that on himself and he and it kind of serves. But it's a constant wall of noise. It does not put a player off unless they're already put off because their head's going a little bit because they've missed a couple of doubles. That's not, but that's not on the crowd. That's on them. That shouting out and whistling when people are throwing is ridiculous and there's no place for it whatsoever. And yeah, like I, uh, the one thing I will say though is Gezi did moan about it after he missed his last double. I didn't hear anything whatsoever. I had the TV fairly loud. I feel like we heard pretty much everything from the crowd that game. I think that one was just a little bit he knew he'd kind of thrown it at that possibly. point. Although, but, look, I, but fair enough, Marcus he's Smith had it that as well. In his, in his he's had it that much well. the game, fair enough. <laughs> the fact that Michael Smith heard it as well and he said it was putting him off, it yeah. clearly was a thing. I think the issue is, and it has been since the Gary Anderson incident, is for a long, long time, Gerwin Price has enjoyed playing the pantomime villain. He's always had a love-hate relationship. Um, I saw a couple of tweets earlier about now that he's world number one, the expectation levels have, have gone up and there's a lot of comments about you, you need to respect the world number one and, and world champion because of that position. I don't think you do. You respect people because of their characters and, and their personalities. Um, and, and that's a, I'm not sure he's ever embraced that. Look, us in the media, Gerwin Price is absolutely fantastic. But if you're the reigning world champion, world number one, no matter how aggrieved you are, you don't go posting that on your Instagram at the end of the match. No, because, well, who, and don't get me wrong, look, it, it clearly, who's, who's, who's clearly feels like it's got to him and has affected his performance in that moment. Yeah, but I actually want to say kudos to Michael Smith in this moment as well, because for a man who's had his, his bottle questioned so frequently throughout his career, never got over the big moment, we said about how much he's matured. He went on to win that set in a must-win set. Yeah, That was massive. It, it was no win for Michael Smith at that point. If he gets no. involved in it, he gets engaged in it, Gerwin Price either has an excuse now, or is buoyed by it and goes on and wins the set and the match and then can give it back. It was an absolutely yeah. no-win situation for Michael Smith there. And he kept his head down, he stayed out of it, and he went on to win the darts match. And that was the most impressive thing about all of it for me. And the issue is, that now overshadows one of the best performances of Michael Smith's career. Yeah, not only that, one of the best matches we've ever seen on that stage. Like, it was it was brilliant back and forth. And like you say, from Michael Smith, quite possibly the best performance we've ever seen from him. And if he goes on and wins this tournament, this is going to be the big point in which that's turned for him. Again, from Gezi, yes, he's upset. Yes, it's not helped. And yes, it, it, it's poor from the crowd at times. But first of all, who's he calling cheats? Because it's nothing to do with Michael Smith. And generally, if you call cheat out, that's against who you're playing against or that's yeah. against the team you're up against, which is nothing to do with Michael Smith whatsoever. He's not in the crowd. He didn't do anything to incite the crowd or get them going at any point. He just played his game and we didn't even see a lot of celebration from him until the end because he was just playing that new mature Michael Smith that we've seen where he's just in the zone and he's not getting too into anything until he's gone and won that game. Yeah. So I don't think cheats is the right word. I get he's upset. It's fine. But again, this is where we say as much as we love it, as the media and the fact that he gives us so many talking points and, and things that drive traffic and interest, but 
he needs someone to take control of his Instagram because he gets himself in trouble with it. And whether that's in trouble with stupid things that he says or whether that's in trouble with getting the fans on his back, somebody needs to control that for him. And he has won enough and wins enough and will continue to win enough to be able to afford to pay someone to do that for him. And he should be doing it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we're at that level now. And I think... This is this is never going to change until Price makes the first move. You can't keep going in, loving it one minute, hating it the next minute. And it's unfortunate, but this situation has been brewing for a long, long time. And it was only a matter of time before it boiled over a little bit. And we, we've seen the songs, the chants towards Scotland and, and Wales throughout this tournament. They've, they've not been brilliant, but then you've seen Welsh people defending it and thinking it's funny and a joke. And we had a very similar situation with... Um, the nickname that Tottenham Hotspur used to have for themselves and fans, and, and that's suddenly becoming an issue in the last couple of years. And still, Spurs fans refer to themselves in that with that with that phrase. Yeah. And uh, as long as the Welsh are going to do it as well or, or give it back at the same time, I'm not sure that one's ever going to disappear. And it's it's just all a bit of a mess, really. And again, the issue is always going to be that for a long, long time, a lot of people high up have said, if you pay your money, you turn up in the crowd, you can sing and do what you want. Yeah. And it's and, got to a level where it's just a little bit too disrespectful to the players now. And some of the players are feeling it. I've seen a lot. Um, where's the comment gone now? What if I came round to their workplace while trying to earn money to put food on the table for family? Mervyn King. The issue is not everybody works in the entertainment business. Sport is entertainment. Is People pay to be there. I, if I pay you to come and fix oh, my skirting good. board or something, I'm not paying for the entertainment. I'm paying for the service. If I'm a crowd member... I'm there to to play dart, support, have a few beers. Ali Pali has been marketed as the best Christmas party in the country yeah. for the last 20 years. You're always going to get this build-up at some point. And it's just unfortunate that after such a good performance from Michael Smith, which, by the way, that ape set as well, went to a decided leg. The three previous times in a match, it had gone to a decided leg. Gerwin Price won the set. That's yeah. how big a turnaround Michael Smith managed. He held, he won a set in a deciding leg for the first time in a match that ultimately went on to winning the match. Uh, Jamie says, any ideas what the fans said? Michael Smith seems to think that the player was just shouting Michael's name. Um, I'm not sure about anything else. I'm, I'm I thought sure I we'll heard whistling. Out. Yeah, I thought I heard whistling. I thought that's yeah. what I heard as he was throwing. And I thought that was what, the one where he stopped and called it out and had a word. With George Noble, I thought that was a whistle from what I thought I heard from the from the broadcast. But again, it may not have been. It could have been something else shouted. Do we think Going Price really cares about people shouting the old ridiculous Welsh stereotype at him no. and singing that song? No, no not one I, bit. I don't think the singing like, is, is ever going to be all. an issue. Scotland get battered wherever they go. Yeah. I'm not sure that's an issue to the players. No. They it's, can play up to it a little bit. They can give it back. Else. But yeah. it is the individual comments in the chance, and, yeah. and that is tarnishing Michael Smith's biggest win. We're going to have to move on, Cam. We do need to talk about the semi-final lineup and yeah. our predictions for that. Um, and by the well, way, well, we've, we've got two of us today, today, and rather than three of us, and we yeah. still talk for longer than three of us usually. Shock! This is what happens when I invite you on the show. <laughs> it's just, just what happens. Um, in fact, let's do this quickly. Let's do. A very, very quick. Uh, we will do this one, this one, this one. Fantasy Premier League 
folks. We are three matches away from crowning the winner, and Steve Cadman is out in the lead, although... Uh, these points are yet to update, apparently. Let's see if a refresh will do that. It has a... That's not our league. <laughs> they haven't put the final game of the night on, the Michael Smith and Gerwin Price. I think that will change this table somewhat. Steve Cadman's out in front, but he has Michael Smith and Gerwin Price. Yeah, so that might go a little bit more. <laughs> Charlie still leads from the team by 12 points over Liam. Well, that's Liam's only he's got two players... Now. And also, look at that. I'm in 13th. I'm green for the scoreboard. Because uh, I've got Gary, Bully Boy, Peter Wright as triple captain. Still to play again. Marcus Bifford going prior oh, to You, you could go up here as well. Yes, definitely. So uh, very, very enjoyable. Uh, a reminder, we will be sending out a prize to uh, the winner of our league. Uh, let's look ahead to tomorrow. And just a little reminder, Cam. When myself, Lee Boyce, and Luke no, did the no, instant, we don't mean to talk about this. Yeah, no. did the instant reaction to the uh, World Championship draw. I asked Luke for his final four predictions. Lee refused to give his. He said he'll do that on the next live lounge. And Luke pressured me into an instant reaction. Now, I may have changed my mind a couple of weeks later, but I'd so just like count. to point out at this point that doesn't three count. of the four semi-finalists, I back to be there. James yeah, Wade, how, how Peter Wright. And Gary Anderson. I picked Gary Anderson to be in the semi-final. Change my mind to Rob Cross a few weeks later. The only one I got wrong, I thought Johnny Clayton would be uh, the top part. But Michael Smith has been absolutely superb and you cannot begrudge him that at all. Um, Semi-final time then, Cam. And it is England versus England and then Scotland versus Scotland. So for at least the semi-final stage, there should be... No crowd hostilities. Once it gets to the final, there might be a little bit of an issue, but we'll cover that when we get to it. Uh, Michael Smith versus James Wade to start. Um, how do you think this one is going in a best of 11 sets? First to six. I mean, I'm just so excited to go more than anything. Like, I cannot wait to be in the venue tomorrow and actually see this live. Oh, you're going, um, are you? Yeah, you haven't mentioned that four times on tonight's show already. Well, I mean... Madly, as much as we sit here and talk about darts all the time, this is my first ever time going to Ali Pali. Which, so yes, I'm excited, and yes, I'm going to talk about it. Um, however, you're not going to like it because <laughs> I do not think that your boy can live with Michael Smith and his scoring. I, I just, <laughs> I do, I do not think there's if Michael Smith is anywhere near what he was on the doubles today, then Wade doesn't get close to him, and I think. Smith will be there. I think he'll play the same game. I think he is in that spot where he's feeling mature and he's playing really well. He's comfortable in his game and what's going on. And I think he wins 6-2. I'd like to say you're massively wrong, but I, I just don't think you are. A, there is a, just a difference in Michael Smith this year. We, we keep on saying it. Um, and secondly, I, I just... I haven't seen that extra gear from James Wade at all in this tournament, not even for a set or two. If Michael Smith starts reeling off 97, 98 averages with 35% on the doubles, I'm just not convinced that James Wade can live with that for 11 sets. He might pick off the odd set, as James Wade does, but I'm not convinced that he can deal with that over 11 sets. And as someone who is James, one of James Wade's biggest admirers, I just, I just don't fancy it. I do think you pick up three sets. I think it's 6-3. But I think Michael Smith gets the job done and is into a world final once again. A reminder, by the way, 
that the last time Michael Smith made the World Championship final, he beat Ron Mullenkamp in the last 64. He has done that once again in this tournament, thanks to Lee for pointing that one out. And the other one he pointed out, by the way, is that Mervyn, uh, James Wade has won three matches in this PDC World Championship so far, and every single player he has beaten has the initials MK. Well, that run ends tomorrow, so... <laughs> yeah, it's MS tomorrow, which is a little bit different, which is possibly why I don't think he gets there. Omens and all that. Uh, the second semi-final cam is a matchup between two of the greatest Scottish players to ever live. Peter Wright, Gary Anderson, um, the former World Cup teammates that took home the title for the Scots the very first time. Um, the world number two against the world number six. Former world champions, former title winners all over the place. Um, good luck picking a winner in this one. Yeah, it's going to be a bit special, this one, isn't it? To end the night off as well, um, with being the second game on as well, this is going to be really good. Um, yeah, we've got the probably the most Scottish-sounding dart player when you hear him interviewed and the least Scottish-sounding dart player when you hear him interviewed <laughs> in these two. Um, <laughs> but oh, it's, it's, it's heart and head, this one, a little bit. Um, I know what I want to see, and I want to see. I, I think it goes deep, whichever way it goes. I really do. I think this is going to be an absolute cracker, and I want to see Gary get over the line. But like we said today, that resilience and that consistency from Peter Wright is very, very tough to beat, and I'm struggling to see past it. And I think Wright gets over the line six five. But I hope that Gary gets all the line six five. I genuinely don't think I've ever been in a position like this before where I just I'm happy whoever wins the tournament. There's there's normally at least one player that as a, as a fan of somebody that's grown up and watched it, I'm a little bit apprehensive about them potentially winning the title. I remember the first time that that Gary won it, I was still a little bit stuck between when he beat Phil Taylor. I was a little bit, will Phil ever get the chance to win another one? Wanted him to go on and win it because of that, but also felt that Gary deserved his first. Michael Smith deserves his first. James Wade deserves his first. Peter Wright in contention to be world number one. Gary Anderson to just produce it again. There is no loss here for me, apart from the fact that somebody else has to lose from the opposite half of the draw. Um, I'm happy with three of them. I just, of course, everybody's happy with three of them. And that goes exactly back to the disrespect comment that we started very, very much at the start of the day. Um, God, I'm happy saying. <laughs> no, I'd never say new year, new me. I'm well older beyond that. Yeah. Um, no, I just I just hope for 11 sets. That That's all I yeah. can hope for in this one. I, th I think we see that. I really do. Yeah. Um. Maybe Gary to shade it. Is that your? Is this your burner account on the screen right now? No. <laughs> uh, I think Gary shades at six five. I'm not sure why I've done that because I think Peter is far I'll more honest, solid. I, I, was, I was this close to saying it, and I, I went the other way. But that's mm. what I want to see happen. Yeah. Tommy says, "Will Wade get a better chance to win it? I don't think he will. I don't think Wade will ever get a better chance to win it." I'm not sure Michael Smith will ever get back there if it's not this year, unless he goes on and wins something else and starts building his way up. Peter Wright, I think, potentially will get there again. And I'm not convinced Gary Anderson will again either. And that's the issue no. for me. Three of these players really need this win because it may well be their last opportunity to do so. 
Yeah. And, and that's, what, that's what makes it an issue. Uh, trying if to pick Smith one. Does go, if Michael, if Michael Smith, Smith does, he cleans up for the next few years. Everything. Possibly. Very possibly. It would just be that weight off his shoulders. He'll be able to yeah. relax so much. But then there is also the pressure of being the world champion every time you step out. And that that can do funny things to people as well. Let's it not can, forget. But I just think with Smith, the, the position he's in right now and the way he's playing, if he gets over the line in the first one, especially in the biggest one of the lot, the rest of them will just feel like he's just playing with everyone. Pick a winner. Pick a winner. Are we going yeah. to... I've, I've, my... Well, you're not on tomorrow night, so you're going to be there. So yeah. this is your last chance to tell me who wins the tournament from here. All four players are seeded. All four players are top 10 players in the world, which is pretty solid for this tournament. Uh, we've, we've had our fair share of controversy. We lost Michael Van Gern. We lost Vincent van der Voort. We lost Dave Chisnell to COVID withdrawals. Uh, we've seen a little bit of up and down all over the place, the crowd, etc. But... When all is said and done, no asterisk behind the winner, who wins the PDC I've World Championship? I've been saying this for the last week, and I stand by it. Michael Smith wins this tournament, and he goes on and becomes the world's number one within a year. Is that even possible? I don't know. I just... <laughs> the only person I think that could be... If he wins it back to back, he wins it back to back, he wins it I think. <laughs> Gerwin Price has gone two rounds further than he needed to to guarantee that he would be world this number year. one after this tournament, but that does not mean he cannot be caught by the end of the year by Peter Wright, especially if he wins. There would be £15,000 difference in the rankings between Peter Wright and Gerwin Price should Snakebite lift the Sid Waddell. Uh, quick question from Stinger. He says, well, MVG be in the rankings after this. Do you think it might actually take a load of his shoulders not to be able to get back up to number one anytime soon. I think the drive within MVG, no, he wants to be number one. He wants to be the best. Yeah. There is a possibility that after this tournament, Michael Van Gerwen is ranked world number five. If James Wade beats Michael Smith tomorrow, he moves above Michael Van Gerwen. He will be the world number three. Van Gerwen will be the world number four. Then should Gary Anderson win the world championship, uh, he will also jump ahead of Wade and Van Gerwen, and he will be up to world number three. There is a chance he will slip to uh, number five. Can he slip? He could go to four Smith Smith tomorrow. Smith well. It depends who he beats in the final. No, yeah. it doesn't. Wade, on the final, could, yeah. Wade, Wade could be in trouble here. His world number four that we've been saying is so solid for the Premier League, could be under threat if the world final is Gary Anderson versus Michael Smith. It's not um, just under threat. He is down to... No, no, wait. No, Smith would have to win it for him yeah. to be definitely out of it. But, yeah, if the world final is Gary against Michael Smith and Smith wins it, then, yeah, Wade's down to fifth as well. There are massive implications still. Yeah. I still think he's in the Premier League. World semi-final, UK Open win. I don't care if he got a backdoor entry last year because of going price withdrawal. And also, let's be fair, it's not been his best performance this year, but he is still in the semi-final. But James Wade is far more animated on stage right now. And I think that is for the benefit of the PDC. Yeah, to well, say, Come yeah, look do we do we really do we believe that? And does it look genuine or does it look a bit forced? No, I, I, I think he's fired up enough for it. 
that's that's without my James Wade bias as well. I genuinely think that is. I think he's fired up for it, but I just think some of the the actions and histrionics on stage that he's giving after he wins a leg, they don't look natural. I mean, the fact he didn't re- didn't respond to a nine dart last year, a little bit suspect. But the, the way he shuffled has, shuffle has always been a thing. When he gives it the double pump from either yeah. side, and one of the best sides in darts when he does that. Anyway, back, back to it. You made me pick a winner. Yeah, but I'm on tomorrow, so I get better. No, 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 no. no we're having <laughs> it now. <laughs> uh, I can't see past Peter right. Despite the fact I just haven't backed him to win tomorrow as a score prediction. <laughs> that's the most that's the most god prediction I've ever seen in my life. He's gonna lose six five tomorrow, but he's gonna win the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I don't know how that's managed that. He's he's just so calm, he's so confident, he's so consistent. He's made a ninety seven and a ninety nine average look like half a day's work. Um yeah. even with Callum no, against it, he had it in the right moment. And I think his doubling gets even better. I think his doubling will get any will get even better. There's just some. He missed a lot of he missed a lot of chances today. Uh, and the the correct answer to this: If MVG slips to fifth in the world, will he still be in the Premier League? Yes, yes, hundred percent, yes, because there are <laughs> nights in Holland, and he the, the Dutch market is still the second biggest market for darts, maybe the third it's behind not, the Germans. It's, nothing, it's not even anything to do with the dart. He is still one of if not the number one name in darts and there is no way that he doesn't get either a pdc or a sky pick or whoever it is that has that final casting vote but he will get one never has a stat shown that averages mean bugger all any more than the fact that mike van goen has the best average of the year and has one floor title and a unranked world series event to his name it, that he only scrapes over the line in against. And the sooner that darts evolves <laughs> to use more telling statistics, I think that's why uh, the treble visits has been included this year because that is a big giveaway uh, to form as well. Given that the turntables tables the way they are until they're adjusted to one seventy plus one three one plus yeah, etc. I mean, as but, well, I still yeah, think that's not the right way to do it. Um, yeah, the yeah. one the one eighty start as much as we all love 180 starts, especially me tonight, but um, as much as we love that sort of thing, it doesn't give any credit whatsoever to the 171s, 174s and 177s. And even, even well, it's a bit more respectful, but like 162s where we've seen Rob Cross it, multiple ones of them the other night, it it doesn't give any credit to those sort of stats and, and how important they are. Like you look at early stages of um, Price and Smith today when Price went up ahead early and Price had hit three 177s in the first few legs. It was it was pretty like and those stats on the screen don't don't show you that. It does a 140 doesn't look overly impressive, but when it's a 177, that 140 that's counted there, it's it's not kind of doing it. And, I, and we have seen it a little bit. Um did we see it was it on some of the one of the ITV4 events earlier in the season, they were showing 170 pluses rather than 180s. I think maybe you're right. But yeah, look, stats will evolve. Um, go on. I know I appreciate it's quarter to one in the morning, but I appreciate it's also a weekend and there's plenty of time tomorrow for this to be watched back for those that aren't watching live. So let's do another couple of minutes because not only will we find out who the world champion is the next time or we will already know who the world champion is the next time 
you join us for anything live camp, hopefully for a bit of Q score action, it's very, yeah. very likely we will know the Premier League lineup. This is the last chance for you to discuss who will be in that 10. Um, I think right now there is a very, very good chance the current world number 10, the current top 10 in the world as it stands, will be the Premier League 10. The only player I have concerns for is the world number seven, Jose de Salza, despite being last year's finalist. I think if anybody is going to be replaced by Fallon Sherrick, that hype seems to have died down an awful lot after that Steve Beaton loss, but she still is ridiculously marketable. And we know that Sky will press for that image because it will just boost them so, so much. I think Jose de Salza is the biggest at-risk player of the current top 10 in the world to miss out on the Premier League next year. I think Gerwin Price, Peter Wright, Michael Van Kerwin, and I still think James Wade will be in there. I know that there were many that disagree with that. Gary Anderson, Michael Smith, Johnny Clayton, Dimitri Vandenberg, and Rob Cross, European champion. His game has got so much better this year. I know he wasn't the best performer in the Premier League last year. I genuinely think the world number seven, Jose de Salza, has not had the best year. I know he said that um, his vaccination and um, diabetes have affected him. Um, I think he's just not performed at the same level that he had when he won uh, the slam behind closed doors, despite the fact that he is the world number seven and defending runner-up of the Premier League. I think if anybody misses out for Fallon Sherrick, I think it's Jose. I think there's three that are, that are in trouble of missing out. Well, four, okay, four. Um, there is the loser of the game between Michael Smith and James Wade. I think whoever wins that game will be I in think, 100%. I think Smith's played himself into contention no matter what. Yeah, no, I think he is. But if he wins that game, he's guaranteed. If he gets to the yeah. world final, he is in, no doubt. I think Jose could be in trouble, but I think Portugal is a market that they're still, still trying to build. And I think that might be something that gets him in again. Uh, because it's a huge tourist destination. And yes, we've not really had that the last couple of years with COVID and everything that's gone on, but that could be a that could be a Premier League event in the future that they take it to Portugal and we have have a game there. Um so I think I think he might just be all right. I think Dimmy's in a little bit of trouble. No, because cause Dimmy is everything the PDC and Sky want. He is young. He is a former major winner. He's but excited he when he turns up and he speaks five different languages. He does. He is he does. a publicist's dream. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. So they're my four that are in trouble. It's one of one of Smith or Wade. I think the winner of that is the one that gets in. And I think if Wade gets beat, I think he doesn't make it. Especially if, if he drops out. Especially if he drops out the Even if he loses tomorrow, Wade doesn't make it. I think there will be plenty of conversations from your more traditional darts fans. And I am, I'll, I'll be honest, I am absolutely 100% convinced that Fallon Cherub plays in the Premier League. In some manner. No, not some manner. We're not going back to contenders. Nothing like that's going to happen. I genuinely wouldn't be surprised. No, I don't think we go back to contenders. I, I genuinely think... would not be surprised if they returned. In some no, format, it's I just who that, they pick as those contenders. I, I think I think that went one year longer than it should have done. Anyway, it was a good no because COVID ruined that. Because after yeah. Luke Humphreys beat Gary Anderson, it was working, and there was a good chance with the players remaining, the form they were in. I just think they have to be very careful about if they repeat that. If they repeat it for the gimmicks of the walk-ons, 
for the likes of John Henderson. I, I don't think that should be a thing. No, no, I think I, 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 I think genuinely, it, I don't think, think it's going to be. Further. I don't think the Premier League this year will be ten straight players in the same format we've seen. For I, do. I do, I do. I, don't. I think I, I think there is a twist coming. I'm not sure what it is, but I think there is a twist coming. Whether that be yeah. a Premier League two in some format, whether that be contenders, whatever. I'd love to be sitting just talking I, I about just ten. Don't, I don't think this year is the year that we see that. I think maybe next year. But I think this year, there's still too much uncertainty. I think they go with the straight 10. And if they have to put it behind closed doors for two weeks, they do that. Because you can't do that with contenders. And that could still happen. We don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks. I think maybe next year we see something different happen. I think this year we see it happen. And there's been discussions about this on a couple of different sort of what groups I'm in. uh, Just like the guys from work and then a couple of good friends who are big fans of the darts. My, and we sort of all got to a point of our final picks for it. And I'll be honest, you're not going to like it. My final, my final 10 for it was Gezi, Peter Wright, Michael Van Gerwen, Rob Cross, Johnny Clayton, Michael Smith, Jose Dimi, Gary Anderson, if he decides to do it. That's, that's another potential might happen. And Fallon and James Wade misses out. The PDC will be very, very brave to miss out a player that's been in the top four for so long has won a major in the UK. If he, out, in the if he does drop out of the top five uh, of the top four and drops down to fifth, which could very well happen. And he's had his run in the Premier League. I know it was because of COVID and he was the next man up. And it is I, I don't think is. you can class that as having his run. You can well, well, you can though as well, though. And we all know he is not the most marketable player or the most liked player or a player that brings in a lot of fans or is exciting to watch. And if they want to justify it that way in the fact that he got his run last year and that is his UK Open win that he got it for, they can do that and they will do that. And I think if there is a man that was to be the one to drop out for that sort of reason, he's going to be the first person they look to to drop. And I do think it is the right time to put Fallon in it. I, I really I don't do. think she's ever going to be more marketable. Exactly. But after the and that is the biggest beaten, thing about it. And it's I'm also, worried about the level. Sky are huge on growing the game and building the game. We've seen them put, they've put a lot of money into the Women's Super League in football now. They've put a lot of money into showing the women's big bash as well in the cricket. And they've also been behind the the cricket over here as well in terms of the 100. And they've also shown think they showed the final of the Rachel Health and trophy as well. They are big on women's sport and it is their mantra at the moment in terms of growing the game and getting people involved in it and bringing new people to the sport. And for me, there is no one better in the sport right now to do that with. There just isn't. Nobody else will bring in as many fans as Fallon, however you market them. Michael Smith, even if he wins the world title for his first one and gets his first major, he's the best player to watch in darts when he's flowing and he's good. But could you market him the same as you can market Valanchero and bring new people into the game? No, you can't. And on that note, I think that's time to end the show. We've been talking for an hour and a quarter. A massive, massive thank you to everybody that has joined us in the chat room 
throughout. You guys have been absolutely superb. If you're listening back as a podcast, thank you very much for getting all this way into the show. <laughs> uh, there is just one more uh, Fallout Bar remaining for the World Championships. Massive thank you to our friends at Boyle Sports uh, for sponsoring all of our PDC World Championship coverage. Uh, they're with us all the way through until Tuesday night's Live Lounge, where Phil Bars, myself, and Lee Boyce will be reviewing the uh, World Championship in its entirety. Uh, we'll be discussing the Premier League lineup once it's announced and the new World Champion for this year, um, looking ahead to 2022. Um, a quick reminder, if you don't already, follow us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Online Dart. Uh, you guys can keep up with all of our coverage uh, on there. Uh, and if you haven't done so already, please do drop this stream a like. Um, and don't forget to subscribe to the channel before you go so you don't miss out on any content from us. For the penultimate time of this World Championships, a massive thank you to, what, to you to you for watching the show and we will see you tomorrow. Have a good one, folks. See you later.